Marin. Hello. Hello. Hello, my friend. We, um, our last episode, which was episode eight, right? That's right. We talked a little bit about selection, and I think that we were still kind of thoughtful about what we talked about in episode seven, which is how you and I have conversations. It, it sort of like evolves and just goes off in these different directions, and that's why we have this beautiful creative energy together. Um, and so to recap from episode eight, what we were talking about is like, how can we decide when and when not to work with specific clients, right? So our selection criteria, but we really didn't get into the practicality of that because we were focused on what we had talked about in episode seven, which was like, which was like, man, sometimes bad things happen and we kind of need people to like appreciate that with us. And we want to stand shoulder to shoulder as opposed to in, op- in opposition to somebody about what maybe will or will not happen. Cause you and I both know that we don't have crystal balls. We'd probably be much more rich yeah, and living on sure. some exoplanet at this point with all of our expensive Elon Musk space gear. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not a black and white conversation, which it's is not. why we keep weaving in and out. But I think that feels good because it's really hard to, tie up solid conclusions in 20 minutes. It is. It is. Yeah. So why don't we go back into that topic a little bit, the sort of practical nature. You and I are both birth workers. We both have to sort of decide we have limited capacity to attend births. We have to decide, you know, at this point in our careers, who is it that we're actually willing to sit with in birth? And, and, um, and again, it's not about permission or anything else. It's really just about like, how does this, why does this feel right? And sometimes why does it just feel wrong? And I want to just toss the uh, tether ball back to you and see, and just, I don't know, maybe you could comment a little bit on that and get us started. Right. Well, last time we talked about just the energy around Mm -hmm. how we want to work and essentially finding good matches for that. But yeah, if we're going to be more specific, like what does that actually mean if a woman calls you up or shows up at your door and, you know, is pregnant with triplets and wants to have a home birth, um, you know, how do we proceed with if we're okay with being involved, which is what we're saying, to be clear, because mm-hmm. that woman should go and have a home birth if she wants to. Right. Amen. But we, yeah. we have the ability on our side to, as Margo would say, risk yourself out. Mm. Right. And just say like, hey, that'll work for me. I feel good about it. Or that really doesn't feel great to me. It's, it's nothing, you know, is yeah. that a comment on you? It's just, I know as a midwife, as a doctor, that's not something I'm comfortable with. So yeah, yeah totally. I don't know. What well, would you say? <clears throat> there's so much wisdom in, in, in the decision-making process, right? Like this is where your, your training, like you start with your training, you, you start foundationally as a midwife or an OB or whoever, and then you evolve into a new space where you're like, okay, now that I have seen some, re- I've seen some horrific things happen in birth. And that is obviously going to color my experience when I'm talking to a person as to whether or not I think this is a good match. On the other hand, I think that what I've really kind of fallen to, and I, I think you and I kind of agree on this is like, how far are we deviating from the path mm-hmm. of, 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 of what may happen, you know? So, so, um, you know, an example is maybe like, you know, doctors, actually physicians love to have interventions in birth. They're totally cool with it because they've seen, hey, even if there's a bunch of interventions, things still generally go okay. Well, if I'm attending your home birth and you come to me with all these ideas as to what it might mean to have to intervene in birth, 
I'm not so sure that we're going to be the right fit because for me, it's, it's very intuitive. Like sometimes things just don't feel right. So there might be like a completely healthy, normal second pregnancy, whatever opportunity that comes up. And it's like something doesn't feel right about the way that you and I, our chemistry is working as birth worker and as client who's going to give, give birth. Um, on the other hand, there may be somebody who's much, much higher risk than even many hospital-based OBs. And it's like, something feels right. Like we're going to, this is going to groove. Um, and I think for me, right. it boils down to like, what willingness do you have to deviate from the path of natural physiology? That's kind of, I think, what drives that from the very beginning. I'm curious about you. Mm. Yeah, I like the way you put that because there really isn't a set recipe, as we've yeah. said. So, yeah. you know, I guess if we're talking more practically, for lack of a better phrase, I would use red flags, right? Like sometimes there are a few and they make sense. And ultimately the woman, and I do put a lot of stock in that, like, how is she feeling about this? Is this a thing? You know, does she want to look at A, B, or C? What if it goes this way? Um, but if there's things piling onto each other and you have the sense that this is getting too complicated, especially for home, then I think that's an honest conversation. And again, yeah. it's not that, oh, you shouldn't have a home birth. It's like, I don't think this is right for me. There's too right. many things going on and I don't even know how they all fit together. It's more just, you know, this is feeling like it is hard yeah. from my perspective. Yeah, and and I think another another um another thing that is sort of reflective of my personal nature is like I don't really like to necessarily have every stop on my four week trip RV trip planned out. I like having some Stephanie will will like plan like here's some general locations that we would like to go see. But hey, if we're passing through Sedona and you guys invite us to stay an extra night because you're gonna have a big party the next day, we might be able to change our itinerary a little bit. You know, like. So the, the flight path, so to speak, the RV road trip plan is malleable to some degree, right? Like we can't be prepared sure. to change everything in birth, but we but also can't, yeah, you can't go in with this rigid plan as to this is how, what's going to happen by hour six. And then by hour 10, I'd like for this. And I've actually seen birth plans that are very, very rigid. And that already to me tells me like, this is not how I work anywhere in my life, let alone how I, how I sort of fit myself into this process that I know I don't have any control over. And I know you certainly don't have any control over. And that to me is actually, that's a, that's a, a burden I can shrug off that I'm not in control of every step of this process. And, and so I guess if a client were to come to me and say, you know, this is how we we're, we're going to have this happen, you know, and they've even had like, I've seen notarized with an attorney notarized birth plans. What it's are like, you kidding? I don't think you and I are going to work out very well. And and that's not an insult. It's just, I don't work like that. I think that you have very different um, aspirations than I can guarantee, you know? Wow. Yeah. I had, I had no idea that that was a thing in the world. I guess it is. I guess it wow. is. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard about it until recently. And then somebody sent me a draft. Can you look over this? And I was like, what is that at the bottom? And they were like, oh, it's a notarization. And I was like, you're wow. notarizing what? Like what is actually being notarized here? <laughs> I know. I feel like I actually don't quite understand, but yeah. I get it. Like there's an energy of control. And, That's right. You know, That's right. 
We either well, want to engage with that. Or- yeah, especially if you're going to the hospital and it's like, over my dead body, are you going to do these things to me, which were so traumatizing in the previous birth? I get that. It's just that this the process of notarization doesn't avail us of any, uh, I don't know, not not responsibility, but like like you you still can't guarantee that things are going to go the way that you have it on paper now that you've notarized it, you know. So I get it, and I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, something else that is related, but kind of a different thread is that selection can be complicated too. You know, sometimes yeah. um, what you see isn't really what you get, and I mean, maybe this is obvious, but just for people listening, like there's some investigative work that needs to be done, right? So I know for me, often people, women would come to me if they were quote unquote risked out, right? By someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that felt accurate, but a lot of the time it really wasn't accurate and it took some digging through and question asking, and then ultimately coming to what we're talking about intuition and how does this feel and how does the woman feel about this to completely sort of disregard, you know, she would disregard what she was told um, and would proceed to just have like a normal, healthy experience. So sometimes it's not as easy as it seems. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, it, it kind of reminds me of the, the classic example. Sorry, my daughter's asking me to wind up this toy. No, go for it. So you can hear, I hear it in the background, but I'd rather her just dance to this thing while I'm answering. Um, I think that the, uh, I think that the classic example is the, the history of a prior C-section. And um, so like, let's kind of get into like what it means. Sorry. Can you hear that? <laughs> a little, but we're imagining Penny dancing with it. So yeah, she's doing great. Um, so the classic example is here's the C-section. Well, just by telling me you had a C-section, doesn't tell me doesn't tell me squat about about what risks and benefits we're actually talking about here. It depends sure. on on like like what type of incision was it? How far back was it? What were the circumstances of your C-section? Um, have you had any OB care or any care whatsoever, any ultrasound, anything prior to you presenting to me saying, Hey, I'm going into labor. Can I, can you attend my birth? Like there, there's, there's so many factors. And then there's also like, you know, do you have, um, like if you've had a history of a C-section and this is your, um, third pregnancy, did you try a, a, you know, a trial of labor after a C-section? And did you have this horrendous pseudorum rupture that you end up in the ICU for, for two weeks? Like, Listen, I don't know what the stats are of this happening again, but for you to do that at, at, at home may be something, a risk that you're willing to assume, but I may not be as a birth worker. And I need to just be able to like stand in my truth and say, listen, something about this doesn't feel right. I recommend you maybe have a birth center birth or whatever, or there's a provider down the road that I would love to refer you to. But I mean, I, I guess the reason I use the the trial of labor after C-section thing is that I don't feel like that is a a risking out like that is not something that tells me you're automatically going to have a bad experience. Just like we talked about in a previous episode. On the other hand, I think it does require us to like understand like, Hey, we know that there is a risk. If you do happen to have something happen, are we close enough to transfer you? Would you want to be transferred? Um, you may not, you may be willing to, to die on this hill and, and that's okay too. But the risk is super low. If we, if we hit that space, are you having me, you know, are you presenting me with a birth plan? 
a notarized birth plan that says everything's going to go okay. Like, I don't know if, if, if the ongoing conversation around risks and benefits throughout your pregnancy and into your intrapartum and then postpartum care, I don't know if you and I are going to necessarily be engaging in an ongoing conversation about, you know, when new information presents, like, do we, do we actually change course? Are we able to change course? Do we have that flexibility built in? And, and so anyways, that's a long way to say that, like, just having a single medical condition often for me is not enough. It's more about the conversation that we're willing to engage with about that condition that other people have said, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this. And now you're coming to me like, am I comfortable with this? Are you willing to engage in this conversation further? Um, that to me says a lot more about the likelihood of us working together um, than it does a single diagnosis, you know, cause right. I'm not usually impressed by single diagnoses. Sure. And similar but different conversation at least in midwifery is as the midwife am i allowed to even attend this woman so when we talk about regulation and licensing so in your case you know you i think have freer conversation around what you can or cannot or will or will not do but not always the case with midwifery so something like a single diagnosis can be enough for a woman to not be able to find a midwife. And then, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm a midwife on the receiving end of that, because I don't work under a license, then I have to also evaluate my own feelings and experience. So experience is huge, you know, totally. I, and when this is how we started the conversation, I think off, off recording was if a woman has had, four C-sections, you know, I was being honest and said, that's not something I'm comfortable with at home. Maybe one day I will be, maybe something will change my mind. But at this moment, um, you know, I, I don't have the experience to feel like I could fully support someone in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that same scenario came up for me in real life recently for a, a, a birth center that I, I help out with. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just not, it's just too much. It's, I'm not willing to do that, you know, and there may be somebody out there who's, I don't want to say desperate for clients, like, cause that's not really, that shouldn't be the situation where people are just willing to take anybody in order to make the, you know, to, to, to pay their bills. Um, I think that fortunately I'm in a space where it's like, listen, I appreciate you coming and I really, really hope the best, but that's not something I'm comfortable with. Um, Mm -mm. And, and we can't feel bad for just saying, listen, uh, I don't have the skills or I don't have the comfort level or the experience to do that. You know, the same, like a really common thing is like diabetes. Somebody just consulted with me today and they're like, this person has been diet controlled. Like they've had gestational diabetes and they've been using diet, but now they need medication. And I don't, I'm not comfortable with how to prescribe that. And it's like, well, I think you have your answer. Cause they were asking me, what do I do? And I was like, that's not your client anymore. Like you, it's sort of like being in the operating room. You hand your scalpel to the person who's more experienced. In this case, it's like, I wish I could be your midwife. I'm happy to continue being your midwife, but there's going to be certain stipulations. Like we are going to need an OB to help us manage these meds because I'm not comfortable with that. I don't have that experience. And you're doing people more of a favor than anything by admitting when you're, when you've kind of reached your, your experience level, you know? 
Well, I love this conversation because again, I tie it back to sometimes regulation. A midwife can just kind of get out that way, Mm. (laughs) you know, can Mm -hmm. just say, oh, I'm not allowed. But I think it's a much more honest conversation to say, I actually don't feel comfortable with that. Like if you need um, medication, then either we need co-care or, you know, something like that's not my specialty. I'm not going to be able to really monitor well what's going on. Right. Um, And then back to the C-section conversation again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I feel like midwifery especially is being an expert in normal. Yeah. Right. And so it's not that, um, you know, that woman doesn't have incredible stories behind those three or four C-sections, but it's like when that leaves the box of completely normal and we don't necessarily have the tools to deal with that at home. Again, it's just me saying, Hey, risk me out here. Yeah. 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 You know, the, the, the forceps thing, right? Like OBs used to train with these big metal salad tongs. Um, and people get mad who are good at with forceps. They get mad at you for speaking negatively about this beautiful device, the forceps. I mean, these are giant metal like claws that you go in and grab the baby's head in order to help pull the baby while the mom's pushing. I did one of those in residency. Like if somebody's like, "Hey, we'd love to hire you for a billion dollars a year, but we 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 need to make sure you're that you're willing to put forceps on." I'd be like. I love that salary. That sounds lovely. <laughs> I could buy, buy a small island for myself and my family and you can come visit. Um, but like, gosh, I'm not comfortable with doing that. And the reason is I never really wanted to practice. I saw one happen. It le- led to like a skull fracture for the baby and the mom and dad were completely traumatized by the idea of this uh, OB with his leg up on the table and pulling oh. on the baby's head. And it's like, that's just not, that's not going to be something I do. There's other people that do it. And that's, that's cool. But like, I do not use forceps, period. If anybody out there is wondering, I do not use them. I don't care if they're good. I don't, I don't use them. I don't have the experience. Hopefully the opportunity doesn't come up where it's like, gosh, darn it. If I could have just used those forceps and knew how to use them, I'd be better. But I use the vacuum devices. I use all these other things that maybe even you, Marin, don't use, but I am, um, like that's kind of where I draw the line. And so for me to say otherwise, just because I'm an OB that has all this training is, is not, is not helpful. (laughs) I have, I draw the line there. So. Yeah. Drawing the line. That's exactly the phrase I was going to use. You know, there is no right place for the line for each of us. Yeah. So we all draw it where we draw it. And I think just keep paying attention to where we have that for ourselves and, you know, ask ourselves good questions about why we would move it or why we would pull it back um, and just continue to evaluate that. You know, I don't want to say never to most things just because I want to remain open to changing, but um, you know, yeah, just being in it, figuring it out. Tell me about, tell me, I think, I think many listeners might actually be curious as to how, um, I don't know how the conversation goes. Like, so when you do have a person who comes to you and you're like, you know, like, yeah, it's really, really great to hear about your story. Um, at that moment when you decide in your heart, like, oh man, I don't know if this is the right fit. How do you say it? Maybe you're super blunt about it, but I'm just curious. How do you actually Mm -hmm. deliver that news? Cause we all worry about that. To be honest, I always take time to think about it or, mm. you know, almost always 
So I don't want anybody else to decide on the spot either. So I think having time to meet and talk is great. And I usually try to remember to say, go home and feel how this feels. Like I want you to talk with your partner. I want you to feel about how you felt sitting here and feel if that's the right match for you. And if you feel it is, then let me know. And hmm, almost done. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to, to share how I feel. And I, I really do feel committed to remaining honest about that, you know, because most of the time it's easy. They're, they're the, they're perfect matches and it feels great. And it's super exciting to start working with them. And every now and then it's not, but having that time to go home and and focus and feel it, I feel like is, is the respect people deserve rather than like, Oh yeah, let's start up today. Uh, I don't resonate with that either. So I don't also don't want to say to people, Hey, I'm really not feeling it. It's like, Nope, let me just digest this experience. And yeah. What do you think? (laughs) I was just thinking it'd be so easy if we all were just accustomed to like, Hey man, you want to go out? You like want to join us at the pool later? And and, you know, what we say is like, well, I don't know, let, let me look, I, I think I have something going on or whatever. But like, how much easier would it, would it be if your friend was like, you know what, I'm not really feeling the pool today, but thank you. <laughs> it sounds so sure. simple. But it's, it, and I know that birth is not, it's not a simple, it's not easy waters to, to navigate. But really what you're saying in essence is like, let's just take a step back instead of making a snap judgment and feeling compelled to answer yes or no. Let's just take a step back, take a big, big deep breath, go get yourself a fro-yo. And like, totally. think, this, think this through, think this through. Totally. Does it feel right No, I for love you? that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it, you know, is there a rush? Like once in a blue moon, there's a rush, you know, once right. Right. in my whole right. time of doing this, there was someone that came and was 41 weeks and <laughs> they're like had contracting a baby. as they're sitting. Yeah, the seriously. Had a, she had her baby oh the next day. Oh my gosh. So that's only wow. happened once. And most times I feel like it's it's helpful to just say, you know what? Don't rush. Right. Don't rush into this. Right. Right. Yeah. There was always so much urgency. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel like that's a really, really great way to leave off the conversation. I, you have such a, um, I feel always so respect, respected when I talk to you because I think that you actually bring what you just described, like a lot of heart into every one of your conversations as a person. And I think that I think it is really good practice to really just be honest with people and to really find a tactful and direct way to communicate is, I mean, it's half of what we do as, as birth workers is finding a way to not feel compelled one way or the other for them. And then to not compel them or coerce them to say yes or no one way or the other. It's just such a healthy relationship you can develop. And I think you do such a good job even in our friendship, I feel like you've done such a good job with that. So oh, well, um, thank you. there's some real wisdom there. Anybody who's listening, listen to Marin. <laughs> well, I feel the same about you. It's easy to have a respectful conversation with someone that's respectful. And, you know, just on like a, a similar and funny note, I was considering selling my car here. So this lady came to look at it and it felt so obvious to me that she really wasn't interested, but she didn't have whatever to say it. And she made up this whole other story about she'd get in touch with me and financing. And it took a lot of extra time. Yet I left the meeting and I said, she's not buying my car. She's not going to do it. Well, (laughs) of course she's not, but it's just this pressure we feel to, um, 
make everyone happy or like not express, or again, just take the time out because often when we have that space, um, we know if it's like a hell yes, or if there's kind of that delay in like, Hmm, I thought it was, but now that I'm home, hmm, I'm not quite sure. So I, don't I, know. I feel like this is what happens in online dating, like with the apps people are using. I hear so many of my friends that are like, we were talking and then suddenly, like I heard, I didn't ever hear from them again, like ghosted, you know, it's like, man, if this, right. if this like Jamoke 35 year old or whoever, 40 year old or 50 year old just had like some ounce of emotional intelligence in, in, in order to realize like, like if you didn't feel like it was a, a not like a bad first date or whatever, like you could have just said, like, I, you know, I, I really like think you're really, really great, but I just, it's not, it's not the right match for me. And I appreciate your time. Move on. Like, like you both move on, you both feel okay. Instead of just lingering and letting this weird thing happen. Um, so birth work is like online dating. Totally. There you nailed it. <laughs> oh, we could have just summed this up in 12 seconds and we could have saved more time to get Froyo. Darn it. Totally. Ah, all right, everybody. Wow. Well, thanks for hanging out. That was we fun. We did it again. Thanks, Mary. Sure did. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.